Yeah, she'll teach you how to be artistically you. Not afraid to talk about what's taboo. So don't play small. Join the podcast with Nikki Collins. Autism on. Hello and welcome to today's show. I am joined by Phil Steventon, who is an aspiring lawyer, writer and content creator. He's also an autism advocate because we can't have enough of those. So welcome to today's Phil. Thank you for your time today. How are you doing? Hi, Nikki. Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. Yeah, I had, had a bit of a busy week. A lot, lot, lots to do, lots to do. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. I enjoy keeping busy and uh yeah, enjoy um, enjoy keeping my brain occupied. So good times there. Thanks, thanks very much for the introduction, and thanks for inviting me as well. Really, really great of you. Well, no, it was great to have you. And we was talking before we started to record. We was talking about trying to get on top of some of those those tasks, and it just feels so overwhelming. And things like lists, people either hate them or they love them. And I liked your idea of the quadrant lists that you were speaking about. Yeah, I, I still can't remember where I got it from, but um, it has worked for me in the past and it's worked very well as well. And um, yeah, with the amount of things I've got going on at the moment that I just need to need to get done, it will help me just to try and you know categorize them uh, quite nicely so that I've got a bit more semblance of uh, where I need to focus my my energy and efforts um, in, in the first instance. Cool. So what are the different sections on that quadrant, Phil? The the idea of them is that you're able to group things that you need to do by urgency and importance. Um, so, it, so so if you think of like a standard X Y axis graph, and you split it into four parts, up on the top right where that's the most urgent and the, mo- and the most important, the idea is that you're able to get those tasks done first, and then the lower left, which is least urgent, least important. You save those tasks for another day. Uh, those are the ones where you know the world will keep spinning if you don't do them there and then. And it's a case of making a judgment call as to the other tasks, which are either you know urgent but not really important, or important but not really urgent. Um, so I'm I'm able to make a judgment call on mine. Um, and for anybody else that uses that same kind of system, um, you know, there's judgment calls for them to make as well. Yeah, and I would just add into that if it's not going to make you money. And the world isn't going to stop spinning. Just scratch it off altogether. (laughs) There is that as well. Yeah, I can definitely go with that. (laughs) Moving away from lists, you have been on a bit of a journey over the last, well, period of time. I'm not sure what your timescale is, but all I know is that you have been most certainly on a journey to really find yourself. So what kind of prompted that for you, Phil? Yeah, it's, it it has been an interesting journey. Um, no, no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, um, one of the um one of the things you mentioned was that I'm an autism advocate as well, and um, yeah, that's that's been a bit of a journey to get to the point where I'm at today, where um I feel a lot more confident in what I'm doing and um what I have been doing recently as well. Um, it was in uh late 2019, early 20, just uh just before COVID, where I had a bit of space following uh, finishing my studies where I was asking myself, what do I want to do going forward with my life and my career? Um, so what do I want to do that's meaningful and, and that's going to help as many people as I can, really? Um, the um, the best skill that I had at the time, and still do, I believe, is that I'm very intelligent, I'm very curious, and I feel like I'm a really good storyteller as well. So 
I wanted to be able to share my experiences of um, life as an, an autistic aspiring lawyer who's gone who's gone through the education system, gone through different workplaces, had different experiences. Let, let let's just say, mm. um, in the hopes that there are those who might be able to take um, a bit of inspiration or some ideas from my journey, uh, and you know take take those along with them on their journey for other aspiring lawyers, and for uh, like more senior people in the profession, so partners, other employers, they're able to get a much better and a much clearer um, idea of one person's journey, you know, one autistic person's journey to achieve what he feels is, um, you know, what he wants to achieve with his career, which is uh, to qualify as a lawyer and to help as many people as as they can. Amazing. That's really important. And every person's journey is different as well. There's no right or wrong pathway to take to get there. Yeah, so everybody's journey is unique to themselves. And yeah, I mean, whilst there is some fellowships we had between those of us who are on our own individual journeys, my one's unique to me, everyone else is going to be unique to theirs. And you know, we can always learn something from everybody. Um, that, that's what I've always believed. Absolutely. We just need to have that right mindset that allows us to take other people's experience and not use it as our own. But sometimes you can find comfort in knowing that other people have had similar things going on as to what you are. So it's not just you and you're not as alone as you might think you are at times. That's so important. That that That's really important for all of us. Yeah, definitely. It really is. I think that's one of the most rewarding things that I've found about building a community within like autism advocacy work. And it still takes me by surprise when people say, Oh, I read this. And it's like, I did that ages ago. I totally forgotten about it. And it's still making an impact and it will continue to make an impact as my platform grows. Just love it. It's just a real privileged place to be, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, and, and it's a brilliant journey to be on as well. And, you know, the number of people you can meet, the number of uh, things you can, you can learn from everybody and just the journey that you can go on with everybody as well. It's uh, brilliant. I love it. Absolutely. Me too. So your journey, it came from a quite a negative and sort of traumatic experience, didn't it? Within the workplace, which isn't uncommon, unfortunately, but it's something I think that you are definitely looking to change. Sadly, it's not uncommon. Not really something that I'm surprised about, really. Not every um, experience that I've had in the workplace has been, you know, has been positive. And as you say, they have been very traumatic as well. In in a number of previous workplaces I've been in, I have had to deal with, you know, at, at best, just lack of understanding and education as to, you know, my my experiences, my perspectives, and you know, my life as um, as an autistic person, just trying to find his way in. In the world and in the profession that he wants to that he wants to get into, so I've, so I've had things said to me and about me, you know, quite ableist things like um, you know he's special needs, he's untouchable, mm. um, autism means you're a little four letter word, you know, it's not quite you're quite unpleasant things like that, mm. um, along with things like you know the fact that we've spent a lot of time and effort in accommodating you. The, the, the list can go on and i'm sure i can write a book about this at some point i'm sure um, good but yeah and uh, there were a couple of places that i was uh, dismissed from as well as a, as as a result of that um the the official reason was i wasn't at the same level as the rest of my colleagues even though i you know i made clear that you know there are some things that i take a little bit longer to learn or to process or to get down than uh, than the rest of my colleagues um but, you know that they, they they had businesses to run um and there was money involved as well so you know decisions were, ta- were taken at you know with that in mind 
whatever, you know, th- things like that happened. But those kinds of experiences there have really fueled me and motivated me to really put um, a lot of efforts going forward into being able to support other people like me who are following you know, a similar path to me, like other aspiring lawyers. My thinking is that if I'm able to normalize this, then it's out in the open. There's more conversations that can be had about it. There's more condemnation that can be can be said about it as well. And other employers, other groups, communities, um, so on, so on, so on, are able to take those and realize, yeah, that's wrong. We shouldn't be doing that. You know, no one should be, you know, attacked or made to feel made to feel like that because of you know because of who they are and because of their experiences. So mm-hmm. that's why what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to do with my life going forward in terms of being a lot more practical and a lot more hands-on with much more advocacy work in whatever it is that I'm doing, be it writing, be it content creation, you know, re- you know relationship building, community cohesion, all, all of that good stuff. You know, that, that's why it's so important to me. Like the goal is so that no one else like me has had to go through what I've gone through and no one else has to feel the, the way that I did when, when that happened to me, you know, like working towards elimination is, is is absolute utopia for me and that's the goal that i have in mind whether it's achievable or not i don't know but steps towards that is you know it, it is what i want to do well unless you st- take those steps you're always going to be lapped by the people who are taking the steps when you're not we've all got to start somewhere haven't we we've all got to take that first step and um yeah often the first step for ourselves and for the rest of our community is often the scariest one isn't it Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I wrote a, well, I didn't write it, but I did a piece of art years ago, which said every epic adventure starts with a single step. And it's so true. You just don't know where that's going to go, especially when it starts to snowball and build momentum. 100% true. Yeah. I mean, to to go on any adventure, you've got to take that first step. You've got to actually, you know, commit to it and 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 do it really you know you know get get started and you know get that get that habit going as well get that you know get that muscle memory um in your brain as well to you know you know to keep doing this to build a habit of it and to build you know to build what's the word consistency when you're doing it absolutely now it's really important and it can we can sometimes we just get so locked in fear that we don't move forward we just stay where we are and we stagnate and that's uh that's an equally frightening place to be i think I've been there um, more times than I care to count. Really, you know that fear of you know oh, who's going to care. You know who, who's going to care what, what what you know one man has to say about their own unique experiences. You know no, no one no one else is going to is is going to take any notice. But how wrong I was when I started writing and creating things in sort of mid mid twenty twenty, not too long after um, lockdown one was announced. I fully dove into what I was doing. I fully dove into you know creating this sort of extension of myself that I could share online and share my experiences with. I saw such a big community form around me, not not just for autistic and uh, neurodifferent people, but, you know, neuronormal, neurotypical people, however however you choose to um, describe them. Business owners, lawyers, um, other students, everybody coming around to try and learn from everybody and, you know, form a community that had sort of grown around me if you will. And that wouldn't have happened unless I um, actually took that first step. So yeah, I, I am incredibly proud that that's happened. And, you know, I can, I can be very, very grateful that, um, that I've gained a, n- a number of friendships and a number of um, really good relationships from that as well. So yay. Yeah. Likewise. I remember before lockdown, I went to a networking, in-person networking meeting 
and there was a LinkedIn expert there. And he said to me that I had no place to be on LinkedIn and that my that I had no network. There'd be no autistic people or neurodifferent people. And I'm just like, now I look and I think, mm-hmm. Sometimes it pays not to listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So about that, how do you like me now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I don't do any work with that person because anyone that a coach that tells you that you can't do a specific thing probably shouldn't be coaching anyway, you know, because there's, there's yeah. like, I get it that you need to have your ideal clients in front of you, but that's a totally different thing. But the one thing that I've always taken, there's been two coaches that have said, you can't do that. And I basically turned around to both of them, not to their face, obviously, but in my head, figuratively speaking, given them the middle finger and said, watch me. I'm going to do it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Well done. I I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. As you say, it's, it's all about the mindset and it's about the attitude. And sometimes we're our own worst enemies and we just need to get us get out of our way so that we can start that, that forward momentum. Very much so, yeah. And don't forget that when lockdown one was first announced, online was what we had to, you know, keep in touch with people to connect and, um, yeah, just you know, keep keep our communities going, really. Because if we weren't seeing each other face to face, we had to, uh, we, we we had to do things differently, didn't we? In order to keep us safe and we want to keep everybody else safe, so online communities, LinkedIn, Instagram, th- things like that, they became our lifeline, didn't they? Absolutely. I don't know about you, Phil, but I kind of went. Ah, for about a week. I don't know how that's going to transcribe in the transcript. <laughs> how do I spell that? But I I just allowed myself just to basically wallow for about a week, maybe two weeks. And then I was like, right, we now need to pivot and we need to take a little bit of control. And had I not done that, I wouldn't have an international business like I do now. And the amount of people that I get to speak to all over the world. I mean, I've delivered a talk in Australia and it's just like, wow, what has this actually opened up? What doors has this opened up and enabled not just me, but everyone to achieve? It's amazing. That's the thing. And would you have been able to do that if you followed that coach's advice and when they where they said to you, you don't belong on LinkedIn, what you do doesn't belong on LinkedIn. You, you wouldn't have been able to, you know, even though, even though it was virtual, you wouldn't have been able to do that, would you? Exactly, exactly. And so many of my clients and so many what I would call good friends and relationships have started on LinkedIn. It's just it's just incredible. It really is. The power of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does work. It does definitely work. Yeah. So what advocacy work have you been up to then, Phil? Well, since uh, yeah, since 2020 rolled round, uh, that was the time for me to uh, really, really invest in uh, what I wanted to do um, whilst I had this whilst I had this newfound time, really. Because um, yeah, at end of March 2020, I was made redundant from my role thanks COVID. Yeah, it gave me the space to think: um, How do I want to do this? And I had been laying the grounds for doing you know, a lot of writing, uh, a lot of you know just creative writing, storytelling since you know late 2019. So yeah, this was a perfect time for me to launch my uh, what I call my digital extension of myself, which is now which has now turned into you know just a big part of my identity really. Mm. Um, so since yeah since 2020, I've been uh, writing articles and writing blogs under the name uh, the Neurodivergent Lawyer. 
uh, it's from that that I've been able to, um, you know, meet so many people online uh, through LinkedIn, through Instagram, you know, build my community that way. Um, and it's been the outlets that I've used to like, really dive into my experiences in terms of what I want to share, what I feel comfortable sharing, you know, how vulnerable um, I, I want to be when I'm doing that. And also what I want people to take away from it, because there's always going to be something to take away for you know, for, for students, for other aspiring lawyers, and and for other employers as well. Um, so, yeah, in in each and everything that I do, I always try and be constructive um, in what I'm saying. But sadly, in order to be constructive, you first have to identify a negative, whether that's an action, a phrase, or like a societal or structural barrier that's mm-hmm. in place that you know excludes you know it excludes people, whether they're autistic, whether they're whether they're otherwise neurodivergent, or 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 whatever really and from that i'm able to you know i'm able to speak about it and you know talk about some workarounds really you know what can be done to remove that barrier what can be done to work around it so that you know more of us can feel welcomed in the profession that i'm trying to enter the legal profession and you know the profession itself is a lot more accessible a lot more welcoming a lot more inclusive as well that's always been the goal with everything that i try to create really it was from that that I was able to find uh, my next job in early 2021, and I was able to stay there for a year. You know, t- take a number of skills away from me, take a number of mindsets away from me, with um, in terms of what I wanted to do going forward. And then it was in mid 2022 that I came across a company that specialises in workplace inclusion processes um, for specifically autistic, uh, ADHDs, and, and neurodivergent people. They work with a number of institutions uh, to try and help, say, interview processes go go a lot more smoother, a lot more inclusive, and just try and help the processes and uh, the day-to-day life be a lot better for, you know, for people like us. I saw that and I thought, yes, that is for me. That is the kind of thing that I want to do going forward. Since then, I've had a really good time with them. I've been able to make a couple of trips with them to different places in the country. I've been able to conduct you know, some really good assessments for their clients as well really really fulfilling and uh, really really meaningful work as well I'm I'm really enjoying it and long may that continue really oh no that's really good when you are doing something you love it's not like you feel like you're working so I think it's really important to engage those those passions and interests and it's great that you found that within within your work Definitely. Yeah. The added bonus there is that um, everybody that I'm working with is also neurodivergent themselves. Um, so again, there's that fellowship and the shared experiences and how we can help each other to, you know, to thrive, you know, as a team together, as, you know, as a family, if you will. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So the one thing that I've really noticed since I've been doing advocacy work, which I started back in 2019, is the amount of different companies that are springing up that are neurodivergent run led and cater to just neurodivergent people so you are in an area of law there's so many different coaches like you get ADHDers who are ADHD coaches autistic coaches who coach autistic people and I I even know one of my con- connections is a she runs a VA agency and she's autistic she's an ADHDer and she only employs neurodivergent individuals and works with neurodivergent businesses who need an autistic or neurodivergent VA. So that communication, those communication differences don't become a barrier because we're working with the same type of brain. 
rather than the people who have kind of marginalized us being polite throughout all of our lives and pushed us to the side to say that we're not as good as them because we don't work the same way that they do. So actually, as part of this big family, we're seeing all these little sort of offshoots coming up and they're no longer offshoots. They are booming businesses that are really growing in momentum. I love it. Yeah, you know, shoot, shoots of a tree that, um, that they themselves grow up to be even bigger trees and then create an, an entire forest as well. Exactly. That, that, that's one way of looking at it, I suppose. From tiny acorns, mighty oaks will grow. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> I actually once had an acorn blue tack to my fridge <laughs> to represent that symbology. <laughs> Actually, do brilliant. <laughs> Actually, there's loads of acorns this year, just deviating completely. So I might have to go and collect some more, just to remind myself and reinforce that. <laughs> so, what was it that really kind of got you started with the advocacy work? Because it's not really something that you kind of wake up one day and think, oh, "What I'm going to be an advocate." <laughs> what got you onto that onto that journey, Phil? Uh, well, I. For years, um, I've had to learn to self-advocate for myself anyway, which realistically we all have to do in whatever situation we find ourselves in, don't we? So, you know, Mm. for job-seeking scenarios, you know, we have to be our own biggest cheerleader and outline exactly why, you know, decision-makers should be interested in us. So, you know, by doing that, I was making the effort to try and influence that decision. Workplaces, that involved disclosing that I'm autistic, which in turn means you know, I'm able to, you know, request those reasonable adjustments that I need to survive um, and thrive, sorry. Uh, and, you know, I've been able to rely on Equality Act protections from uh, discrimination that way as well. So essentially, by doing that, I was influencing a decision to be made by, you know, an employer, by you know, a senior manager in terms of what I needed in order to, you know, to do well at work. Mm. And, you know, all the time when I've been doing this for myself, I've learned so much more about myself, like what my strengths are, what I need to work on, uh, my own style, you know, th- things that make me me and things that make me my own unique character as well. Because, you know, our own style is going to be unique to us. We're free to be able to use that when we're establishing the kind of activities that we want to do and how we want to do that, that work for us and for and that work for those around us as well. But yeah, to be honest, when I started going outside of the realms of what I needed to do for myself in the first instance, like, you know, disclosure to management, HR, uh, things like that, I wasn't really sure what I could really do, you know, following that. But, you know, I I guess we all have to start somewhere on our journeys, don't we? Mm. Um, So, yeah, following when I finished my uh, postgraduate studies in 2019, where I completed my uh, postgraduate diploma in legal practice so that... In, hopefully in a few years time I can you know be a qualified lawyer yay I spent that time just um, laying the groundwork for what I wanted to do regularly and what I could commit to regularly uh, yeah a lot of it involved you know sharing my stories uh, doing a lot of storytelling of you know my my life as an autistic aspiring lawyer in life in work um, you name it and you know it, it, it's involved a lot of putting myself out there really mm-hmm. and uh, you know making myself quite vulnerable really when I have been storytelling but also I'm putting myself out there to be considered for other opportunities for other people as well, like other brilliant people that I can work for, whether it's things like other writing opportunities or like panel events for some university societies. I've done a couple of those as well. And a couple of other podcasts as well, like, like for instance, uh, what we're doing together. And 
Yeah, I, I guess I can look back on it now and realize that when I was laying that groundwork, I needed the right people around me to be as excited about it as as I was. Uh, and that was a huge motivating factor, just having those you know excited people around me, because it was at that point I could be sure that others around me, you know, other good people around me could see the benefit in what I wanted to do. They themselves could, you know, potentially benefit from it as well. And, you know, they, they would want to, you know, they would want to be, you know, with me when I did that, they would want to, you know, cheer me on, support me on and, you know, wish and wish me well, you know, it takes a village, doesn't it? You know, it, it takes a village to raise a child. And and in this case, um, it takes a village to, you know, to give birth to, to an advocate, doesn't it? Absolutely. And the neurodiversity movement is very quickly gaining momentum, I think, anyway. And rightly so as well. You know, we're seeing so many more um, individuals and and businesses that are recognising the value in that cognitive diversity um, in, in their workplaces and in, and in their communities as well. You know, there are groups that I'm, you know, that I'm working with in the legal and the business spheres that are doing really, really great work around this. And now, I'm really proud to have played a small part in that as well. And yeah, fantastic to see how they're doing. And you know, I will always support um, people and groups you know, who have this in mind and, and who are doing this for the benefit of folks like me and you know, th- those who you know, maybe don't know how to, maybe don't know how to advocate for themselves, maybe don't know how to articulate themselves that way. Just having those people around them to kind of give them that support, that, that's going to mean a hell of a lot, won't it? Absolutely. It really is. Some really valid points there, Phil. So when you started on this journey to find your purpose, as you said, finding that starting point could be one of the hardest things. And now it feels like you're really running with it. So why would you say that it is important for people to find their purpose or just for you to find your purpose? It's an open question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, well, purpose is an interesting thing, isn't it? You know, this uh, this idea that you know we're able to put some thought into what we believe we want to do with our lives and our time on this earth that's meaningful and that helps as many people as possible. You know, we can recognise that we're quite privileged in that regard, can't we? Because you know, it, it wasn't all that long ago when you know humans' purpose was um, you know j- just to survive in in a wilderness and not be eaten by a saber toothed tiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's important for me to be able to do that because in anything i do i want to be fulfilled i want to feel like what i'm doing is really meaning something whether it's to me whether it's for the people that i work with in a job or whether it's you know other people in my community be that you know the legal autistic or the neurodivergent communities what's been uh, a bit of a you know a red line for me in terms of anything i do moving forward is that i want to have that opportunity whether that's with an employer or whether it's in my own time, but with the employer support to be able to, you know, continue with my work, um, continue with the work I'm doing for for myself and for my communities as well. Um, and if I'm not able to do that, then I do have to ask myself serious questions as to whether this is a place where I can really see myself. But in terms of like how I like how I got to finding it as well, I mean that that's that that's coming back to the whole to the whole journey that I've been on, which has itself been been rocky you know littered with obstacles littered with barriers along the way and you know i've had doors open uh because of who i am doors closed because of who i am and you know some of those are because of me some of those are because of some of the people that i've worked with and you know some you know some folks in 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 a profession that's is still getting there in terms of representation inclusion and just really welcoming folks like me really 
it's that fulfillment in knowing that the work I'm doing is really benefiting, you know, not just me, but, you know, members of my community as well. And it, it means a lot when I can do that, really. And it motivates me to do even more. Good. I mean, we all need a motivating factor. So it's just one of them things without that motivation, we won't do anything. And it always takes trial and error to find out who your tribe is too. So those doors that were closed, they open yeah, up that, an opportunity that wouldn't have been there before. That's it. Yeah. And I I know that full well in terms of, you know, um, it being trial and error as to you know, who who are the good ones around me, you know, who, you know, who members of my tribe are, who who are the ones that I can really work with, really. Um and yeah, again, um, you know, it's it's only really been for the last few years when I've when I've noticed exactly the kinds of people that I want to work with and exactly the kinds of people who want to work with me as well. So, you know, it makes sense for me to direct that effort and my energies towards and and for those people. Good. So moving Away from the advocacy work and the more professional side of life, I haven't met a single autistic person who hasn't got a special interest. So what is, without going into too much detail, because I know what we can be like <laughs> when we get onto our chosen subjects, and there's no stopping us. Yeah. So oh, yeah. what are you interested in? And yeah, just what are you interested in at the moment? Yeah, it's. Um, I, I feel like it's been quite recently where I've noticed, um, you know, looking back on all the years in in my life, actually, yeah, this is a real special interest of mine, something that I really, really love investing time and effort into. I can say without a doubt that I'm a, that I'm a real big video gamer. Actually, um, now I, I've I've enjoyed it for years, like dating back to when I was you know single figures old, and when uh, my father had an old like joystick based game system i can't, can't remember what it was i think i think the only game loaded into it must have been something like asteroids like something like really really low low res and you know classic arcade thing yeah but i do i do vividly remember when uh, my parents bought me an original playstation like back when it was released in uh, 1995 i think it was i thought yeah fantastic that's brilliant thank you and couldn't wait to play with it and i couldn't wait to you know play with my parents with it as well because you know even back then I loved bringing people into the things that I loved, and you know, and since then it's been it's been such a big part of my life as a really enjoyable hobby, uh, something that I can really immerse myself in, and I suppose there's a bit of escapism when uh, when things are getting a bit much, you know, when life is like getting really really heavy. It's good to be able to just escape into that, like escape into a story, escape into just like a different world, really. And yeah, because at the time parents saw how much I enjoyed it, they were fully behind me having it as a hobby and. You know, growing up, they were really, really kind to uh, invested in like as birthdays and Christmas presents, like PS2, PS3, a couple of N- Nintendo consoles as well, a Game Boy as well that I was able to take with me when I was uh, attending boarding school for secondary school. Uh, all kinds of games that went went along with that as well, and just that freedom that was given to me to be able to immerse myself into it really, really did mean a lot to me at the time, and. Yeah, it's carried on to this day as well. So I've been able to find out exactly what I enjoy, uh, the reasons why I enjoy them as well. And, you know, that, that's been a really big investment in terms of money and time for me as well. And it's all been great. It, it's all been really, really good. And, you know, I, I can see myself doing that for a long time as well. I, I suppose also as a second one as well, and this has come back to all the effort that I've put into learning about myself as well is that it feels like autism autistic experiences or autistic identities have become special interests of mine as well you know because of the efforts that i've put into you know becoming better around this becoming better with my advocacy and my learning and again it's just like being able to immerse myself in that world and learning as much as i can particularly when it's to do with me 
But it's, it's easy for things like that to become a special interest and something that I really enjoy doing whenever I can, really. Now, there's always going to be more to learn around this, um, either about myself or my peers. Mm. And, and from this, I've been able to meet you know, so many other members of my communities as well. Again, coming back to the fellowship um, between our shared experiences and just that understanding as to you know, how, how we've been impacted by certain events, certain actions, and how we can support each other and just how we can create that sense of community and welcoming and belonging, really. So yeah, that without a doubt, that's become another special interest of mine. They're, I think they're both important. And do you find when you're gaming that it just switches off that sort of thought, that monologue, that constant flow of thought just goes as you can just absorb yourself into a different world? I definitely feel so. Yeah. Um, It's that, it's that ability and that freedom to just, you know, you know, immerse myself in it really just, you know, place myself in it and really, really, you know, just get the most out of it really. Um, You know, particularly when there are so many like really, really large scale um, like open world games that that are on right now, it feels like there's so much exploring that can be done so much, you know, so much to learn as well, particularly when there's, uh, when there's settings in things like historical periods in time, like say the Italian Renaissance, um, you know, I'm, I'm able to just try and immerse myself in that kind of history as well. So yeah, brilliant. That's really cool. I like to listen to audiobooks, but I don't have the capacity to sit down and just listen. I just it doesn't work. So what I do is I play a game that requires absolutely no thought on my phone. So my hands are busy. And like visually, I'm occupied, but it's not taking up any space. So I can actually absorb the audio and I do it. I like listen if I'm doing a washing up or something really tedious. It's like, oh, God. Ah, actually, let's reframe that to it's the perfect opportunity for me to listen to my book. So it doesn't feel as boring. <laughs> Perhaps from that, maybe it's um, maybe it's a case of, you know, you just needed something to uh, make maybe like spark it a little bit like like as you say doing something tedious like having your hands do something mundane or anything like that kind of opens up your brain to you know to absorb that audio but maybe that's it you know would that be fair to say yeah absolutely and i have to speed it up as well i can't have it if it's a really slow narrator i'm just get angry i get as angry as i get if i'm walking behind a slow person in the street i don't know if you get that but (laughs) ah, i do sometimes yeah i'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that's an autistic thing but i do know that the majority of autistic people that i speak to are just like ah yes this is my experience too (laughs) (laughs) so how can people get in contact with you phil if they want to follow your work or reach out to you how can they do so where can they find you uh the the best place to find me would be linkedin that's where i'm active most out of all the social media platforms and that's where i post a lot of my articles and a lot of things that i'm doing really so yeah my uh, my linkedin profile is my name it's uh, philip steventon that's where i'm active the most so if anybody does want to follow me and uh, keep in touch with what i'm doing then you are more than welcome and i'd look forward to seeing you there Okay, what I'll do is I'll pop a link to your profile and any other links that you'd like so that people can just click through to you. They'll be included in the show notes. So you'll be super easy to find and connect with. Brilliant. Thanks very much. So thanks for joining me today. It has been a real privilege and to speak to you and just thank you for your time.
Uh, it's been really enjoyable and thanks very much for inviting me again. It's been great to chat with you. Thanks very much, Nikki. Likewise, take care. And for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never have to miss an episode again. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast with Nikki Collins. Autism on.